How is the Deshaun Watson situation going to resolve? When, where, and to which team? And when will we know what's going to happen? Yeah, it's a fair question, Mike. Obviously, it's been going on here for a long time. I think there's really no timetable. I think whenever there's a resolution, there's going to be a resolution. I know it's kind of a you know simple way to look at it, but you know I certainly don't have a crystal ball. I think you know we've been pretty consistent, you know, going back to even last year. Try to take it one day at a time. There's obviously a lot of layers and a lot of components that are associated, you know, with this particular situation. I mean, ultimately, you know, my responsibility and job is to do what I feel is in the best interest of the Houston Texans organization. Um, Whatever that manifests itself as, you know, I really don't have an answer for you at this point. So kind of take it day to day, take the information as it unfolds and just try to make the right decision, you know, for our club. That's Nick Casario from last week talking about the Sean Watts. He's been taking it day to day for a lot of days now. Oh, damn he has. (laughs) roughly 400 days since he became the GM of the team. I remember him saying the day-to-day thing last year when he got the job. And obviously the off-field issues prevented a trade in March, April, May of last year. Also along the way, the Texans have just wanted so much. They've wanted like six assets, three first-round picks, plus multiple other things. And that's fine. That's fine. You You can charge whatever you want. You can set the price point wherever you want, but sometimes you you set the price point so high you're not going to sell. No, and how do they great. find a way to save face and drop the price and get out of this relationship? And, Chris, I think the only way to do it, the only way to do it is to come up with a formula that will compensate the Texans next year and the year after based upon what Watson does this year and next year. That's the only fair way to do it. Probably. Only fair way. Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, again, yeah, they're, they're – they're going to be, you know, hands tied behind their back a little bit here because of, yes, limited options. You know, yes, we don't know exactly where, you know, this all, all the law stuff is or going to be figured out and when that's going to happen. So they might lose some more options as far as ability to trade them to certain teams here as time goes on. It's scary. It is. And that's what we talked about back then. You know, we talked about it a lot leading up to the trade. Do you want to risk it? Do you want to? And as it looks right now, yeah, it doesn't look like they'd probably be able to get, you know, what we thought they would be able to get last training camp or leading up to the trade deadline. And this was the, the fears of the situation. So, you know, for Nick Casario's case, hopefully he can get one or two of these teams to bid against each other and they can get close to what the real value for Watson should be. And the financial stakes are higher this year because last year it was a $10 million fully guaranteed salary for Deshaun Watson. This year it is $35 million and it's on the books as a $35 million cap charge. You're not going to restructure if you're Deshaun Watson. You're not going to do anything. Now, they may have the right in his contract to do that if they want to, but to do that, they'd have to give him a big pile of money right now to do that as opposed to leaving it in salary. They can't get cap relief unless they trade him. They cannot get cap relief because if they would restructure, they would owe him all that money. You know, if they turn $30 million into a signing bonus, you're going to pay the guy $30 million and then trade him? You may be able to get more in trade if you do it, but I don't know if that's what they want to do. So Davis Mills is their top option at quarterback now. Deshaun Watson is not going to play for them ever again. Do they look for an upgrade? Should they look for an upgrade over Davis Mills, or should they give Mills a chance to show what he can do and develop as the team tries to develop? I I think he's earned the right to go, let's see what he's got, while we kind of keep our eyes open if anything just kind of, you know, smacks us in the face to go, okay, that's dramatically better. But I think Davis Mills showed the ability and and showed some signs there to where you go, hey, 
you know, let's let's see. Maybe he's got a chance to be the future. You know, there, there certainly was moments. Now, he hit a little bit of a dull point in the middle part of the year where, you know, it really fell off and it got bad and they brought Tyrod Taylor back in and, you know, he, he wasn't ready to go yet. So then they put Davis Mills in and he finished the season really strong. He's smart. He's got a good arm. He's a decent athlete. I, I look at Houston as a team that I think is just going to stand pat with Davis Mills and maybe try to even – Find another Davis Mills in the draft where they go, hey, you know, let's look, look in the second or third round for another quarterback that we think maybe has potential to be a starter and just see where it goes from there, and then they'll evaluate their team as it goes next year. And, again, these are teams we're looking at now that have quarterbacks and maybe should be are looking to upgrade. Detroit Lions, Jared Goff, year two with him. He was the guy that helped them get – two ones instead of one first round pick plus a third rounder in the Matthew Stafford trade last year they took on his his ridiculously bad contract that the Rams gave him in 2019 he had 3,200 passing yards last season 19 touchdowns eight interceptions the Lions do hold the second overall pick in the draft although there's no quarterback that would be worthy of that selection they could always trade down and draft one what do you think they could do should do would do do they give Goff another year or do they look for someone they can either be groomed to take over or someone who would supplant Jared Goff this year. I, I think you, you look for a guy that, you know, groom slash hopefully takes over for Jared Goff this year. I think that's who you do. I mean, you know that Jared Goff's not the guy of the future. That's for sure. They got the first pick of the draft, like you mentioned. They got the 32nd pick of the draft, and they got the 34th pick of the draft. They got some some options to play with here as far as if they need to make a move to get a quarterback they like. If they need to jump back up into the teens, hey, those picks at, at 32 and 34 can get them back up there. You know, So uh, they will have options, and I, I would expect them to be a team that – you know, either trades out of the first pick or, you know, takes Aiden Hutchinson with that first pick uh, or second pick, excuse me, and then, you know, make a move to move back up to get a quarterback they desire that they look like that could be the future or the guy right now, you know, going forward. Jared Goff has a guaranteed roster bonus already baked into his contract of $15.5 million So that he's there. Due March 19, and a salary of $10.65 million. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's after this year that That's I think right. you get right. into the, the potential let's move on from Jared Goff because they're, they're paying him a lot of money. And, again, that's part of how they bought themselves two first-round picks, not just one first-round pick for the Matthew Stafford trade. Carolina Panthers, we've already talked about them as it relates to Deshaun Watson. Sam Darnold is their guy. Obviously, he's not their guy. Cam Newton, they haven't closed the door on re-signing him but I don't think he's the guy either. David Tepper, the owner of the team, is desperate to find a franchise quarterback. And I think he's the guy most likely yeah. to say Deshaun Watson because I'm not worried about this year. I'm worried about finding myself a 10-year franchise quarterback, and that guy is available if you can convince him to waive his no-trade clause and if you can give the Texans what they want. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly the one I look at to be kind of in the leader house where I'd go, it makes a lot of sense. It does. Uh, I mean, Carolina – Ooh, man, they're playing with fire right now. I mean, it's just, the damn quarterback position is going to be, you know, the, the killer of this regime there down in Carolina. They've done a lot of good things with the roster. they got a lot of good young talent coming up the pipeline. But the quarterback problem has been a real problem, and it's a black eye on them. 
And I look at them right now and just go, okay, you know, yes, be aggressive, make something happen for Deshaun Watson. Sure, do that. I mean, I, I, I mean, if I'm the coaching staff down there, I certainly want, you know, to make that happen. If I'm Matt Rule. Because after that, you're just, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, okay, Jimmy Garoppolo comes to town. You know, yes, right, I get that. You know, but there's a huge gap between Deshaun Watson and Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes, he's played football and done all that too. But what I would say with Jimmy Garoppolo there, that team learning how to win, you know, he's not necessarily a guy that's going to make any plays off schedule or do anything outside the realm of the, the playbook itself. And the playbook won't be a Shanahan playbook. I mean, yes, this is a huge, huge, you know, talking point for the Carolina Panthers. And it could ultimately determine whether these coaches are there next year or not. Well, that's the other problem, too. If you're Deshaun Watson and you're looking at your options, you want to go to a place where there's going to be stability. You've already gone through the abrupt firing of Bill O'Brien. That contributed to Watson wanting out of Houston in the first place. So you're the savior for Matt Rule. Uh, the, 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 you look around those NFC teams, and that makes the Panthers less attractive. The fact that it really does feel like up or out for Matt Rule, and his offensive coordinator is Ben McAdoo, and I, I, that that may make the Panthers the circumstances may make the Panthers less attractive to Deshaun Watson yeah, right. than maybe they otherwise would right. be. So even if they want him, they may have a hard time getting him. Lastly, the Forty ers and. I assume we've added him to the list just because of the Tom Brady possibility because this is the year we're supposed to see what Trey Lance has. Third overall pick, they gave up two extra first-round picks and a third-round pick to get in position to draft him last year. Uh, We don't know that he's ready. And we saw him start a game relatively late in the season. Wasn't horrible, right? Wasn't great, but wasn't horrible. Rough at first, got better. They won the game. Yep. Um, You know... And I guess this is what it comes down to. If Tom Brady can get out of Tampa and he calls Kyle Shanahan this year, two years after he expressed interest in playing for the 49ers and they said, no, thank you, do the 49ers give him a different answer this time around? I'm going to say yes. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I know everybody thinks I have the answers here. I have no answers at all. You know, I want answers. I want the truth. Well, well, I'm giving you the truth, soldier. I mean, the the one thing with – you know, the, this situation, listen, I do think it's weird, right? I mean, hey, we traded around three first-round picks, and we, we might not make the guy the starter in year two. And a guy that needs to play, like we talked about a little bit, I think, early in the offseason here, you know, that, that to me is, yeah, you know, but you'll be able to sell it to the fan base of going, well, we got Tom Brady, and he can learn behind Tom Brady and all of that. So that'll, that'll like, you know, cool off that conversation a little bit. But, um. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I look at it with Tom Brady and go, if he comes back and plays, I feel like it'll be the 49ers or no one, really. That's how I kind of feel right now. And, yes, the door's not shut there. So I certainly th- still think it's a possibility. I do. Yeah. I, look, I think it is a strong possibility. And we mentioned earlier how the 49ers are the most popular bet to make it to the Super Bowl, they become a very popular bet if they could get Tom Brady. And we all learn from our mistakes. And the 49ers made a huge mistake two years ago saying no thank you to Tom Brady. I think that's one of the reasons why they freaked out last year and gave up so much to get into the third spot. But if they could get Tom Brady, add him to that team. That team is Super Bowl ready right now. They almost made it last year with Jimmy Garoppolo. You put Tom Brady on that team last year, 
they make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, you put them on the team this year, they're the favorite to make it to the Super Bowl. And I know a lot's going to happen over the course of a 17-game regular season. But if they can do it, they would be crazy not to. And the fans should revolt if they pass again on the opportunity to bring Tom Brady home. The, Let's, the, uh, the, the problem with that ahead. is going to be with Brady is – I, I mean, I, I, you know, I would think the Bucks. I mean, the Bucks are they just going to give Brady away to the, 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 the damn 49ers? That's, that's where I'd go. Like, that's where, to me, is the unspoken part. We heard Bruce Arians' comments last week at the Combine. That's bad business. Ignore him. I know. Ignore I mean, him. I know he doesn't have all the power, but still. He doesn't have any of the power. But he's not going to He's not gonna be able they're not going to just be able to give him away. That's not going to look good. And then give him away to what? The number one direct threat to the NFC Championship in the 49ers? That, that's where I think things can get interesting. Well, well I, I think there's more than one direct threat to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers without Tom Brady for the NFC Championship. I, I think that it takes one phone call, Tom Brady to one of the Glazers, whichever one's got all the juice, and I, I can't keep them straight. I'm sorry. When you have that many people running the team, I, can't, I don't know who's in charge. But the argument's very simple. I signed a two-year contract in 2020. I've put my two years in. Well, what about your extension last year? I signed that for cap reasons. That wasn't a commitment to stay through 2022. Now, at times, he said last year he's going to play through 2022, and he has a contract with the Bucks through 2022. He did mention that. But, you know, that was before I think things fell apart a little bit. At the end of the year, he was ready to move on from the Bucks. And he's done so much for the town. He's delivered a Super Bowl. He delivered a full stadium last year. He's Tom Brady, and, and maybe they do a face-saving trade you know, after June 1. You can't do it before. It's a $32 million cap charge, but maybe you do something. Maybe you line up the trade now, and it becomes official after June 1. I don't know, but I, I, I feel like it would be wrong for the Buccaneers to not let this guy go. Well, I, just I mean, to a degree. Wrong. You don't just let him go. This is football. I don't give a damn what his name well, is. I don't give a damn. You know, they did a lot for him, too. They gave him a team that was stacked and let him come down there and play. So that's where, I think he you know, did more for them than they did for him. Okay, sure. I get it. But, but, but Mike, I, I still – we could have put a lot of top ten quarterbacks in there, and it, it still would have been the best team in football. How are I they going to get him? How are so, they going to get him? How so, are they going to get him? How are they going to get him? The no, Brady was I, the one they got. I got you. I'm just saying that, that let's not put it on such a pedestal that way, right? That's all I'm saying. And either way, well, if he's not that good, then why should they care if he goes? If he's if they could find somebody, I'm not else, saying he's not care? that good. I'm just saying you don't let him go for anything. You don't just go, oh, well, thanks, you did everything. We're I'm just saying, let I you said do. some sort of a face saver. Some sort. Of, it's not like the 49ers have a lot of assets they can send. No, I know that's where I'm Tampa saying this is interesting, right? And you don't, you're not giving them away for less than a second round pick. I mean, you're getting a second round pick or more for Tom Brady. To me, that you're going to become a laughing stock in the NFL if you give Tom Brady to one of your biggest competitors in the NFC for a mid-round pick just because, hey, you did good for us for two years. Uh, that, Not that's if you come me. out and explain it. Not if you come out and explain it the way I just did. We signed it for two years. He did his two years. The extension that put him under contract through 2022 was aimed at creating cap space so we could keep our team together for 2021. That's how you justify it. That's how you argue it if you're Tom Brady, and that's how you justify it if you're the Buccaneers and you have to tell your your fan base why you're letting him go for a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick, whatever, whatever. So, hey, if he doesn't play, they get nothing for him. So maybe there is a way to get some value – 
and they can make that argument. He was never playing for us again. Well, they're going to let him he, keep the money. Really That's a good enough him. thing as is. So now we're going to let him just dictate where he wants to go around the NFL. We don't. We don't know. know. Do we know that they I, paid that? Well, he's still on the roster, so they I, had to have paid the money. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's yeah. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. Well, but it's 49ers, uh, I think, are bust for Brady. I think we figured that out. And the 49ers, yeah, I mean, to me, I would think it's Trey Lance with everything they traded. But, yes, if Tom Brady becomes a real option and all of that, then you do it. You know, but now the one thing I heard with Brady, with the whole Sean Payton to Miami and all that, was that it was going to be one of those things where kind of let me feel it out and make sure and I'll show up for training camp and play then. You know, that, 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 that to me with some of these teams and even the 49ers, you're going to go learn a new offense and play that way. Even for Tom Brady, that would be an uphill climb. So that, that's, there's a lot of interesting things around this angle. And I think that's part of the, the bargain that was done within the Brady household. He's shutting it down, at least from the standpoint of direct involvement, shutting yeah, it down right. uh, for several months, and then he'll show up for training camp and, uh, and try to get it done with a new team. Um, I, I – Look, it's good for us, it's good for the game, it's good for everyone if Tom Brady plays. And it's great for the 49ers, and it's bad for the rest of the teams in the NFC. But it, it, it's, it, it would be something if it happened. I, I'm and, one and that's I'm rooting, sick I'm, of talking about it. As a businessman, yeah. I'm rooting for it. <laughs> I know you are. We know. I'm sick of talking about Aaron Rodgers, and I'm sick of talking about Tom Brady. Put me in that camp right there. I've had enough, okay? I have had enough. <laughs> well, look. It's not our fault that Tom Brady is on the front burner because he's the one who said six days after he supposedly retired, never say never, and he's said more things since then. Yes, he has, it, right. It only throw fuel on the fire. No doubt. Let's take a break. The final category, quarterbacks who have their guy unless he isn't. We'll look at that when PFC Live continues right after this. There he is, man. I just had to get on with you real quick. Um... We're going to have an extensive professional relationship, my man. One thing I know about you is you have the ambition to be great. My job is to coach you to get all that greatness out of you. And it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be work, but I know you're not afraid of that. So um, this is is an awesome day for me. Um, And I'm damn sure going to make sure that when you look back on this day, you're going to be like, damn, that was one of the best days of my career, too. Okay? But I'll earn that from you. You got me? No, since you can't hear him, he's, there's a camera on us right now. Since you can't hear him, he's he's telling me how excited he is. And uh, that there's no other coach you'd rather play for in the entire world. Which I thought was nice since it, this is the first time I've really talked to him. <laughs> Our new favorite coach and yours, Mike McDaniel of the Miami Dolphins. The question is, is Tua Tonga-Vailoa truly the favorite option at quarterback? This phase of our discussion centers on the teams that have their starters in place unless they don't. And let's activate Tua on. Is Tonga-Vailoa truly the guy or are the Dolphins once again letting their eyes wander. We already talked about the possibility of Tom Brady and Sean Payton joining forces there. That was something that was scrapped when Brian Flores filed his lawsuit. And there aren't a lot of options right now. The door is shut on Deshaun Watson. Maybe that's what saves Tua. Maybe what they're going to have is a backup who can play if Tua's injured, push him if he struggles, but not a guy who walks through the door and supplants him. I could see that. That that would be. I, I think that'll be the approach. I think Tua is the guy, a hundred percent. You know, I, and again, I know he's you know been a 
a, a little bit of a polarizing topic, certainly. I, I get that. But I think part of the reason Flores is out of there and Mike McDaniel is there is because of Tua. I, I think that Chris Greer and ownership are double down. And, okay, we drafted this guy at five. We're going to try to make it work. And then you add in Mike McDaniel, who, like we talked about a little, I think, last week, Mike, he comes from a place where it's going to be about running the football. And, hey, wait, we got to the Super Bowl and the NFC Championship with a guy that didn't have a very strong arm and likes to throw a lot of balls five and ten yards right over the middle. And that, to me, fits Tua as well. Tua's movement's pretty good. You know, he'd be able to run the bootlegs and all of that, too, the play-action passes. So I think that they are totally sold for Tua, at least for 2020, 20, uh, 2022. And like you said, if there's anything that goes down, I think it's they bring in just a backup just so, hey, if he does get hurt and he's injury-prone, that their team doesn't fall off a cliff that way. Yeah, look, I agree with you. And the, the fact that the market isn't going to be as robust as we thought makes it far less likely they supplant Tua. But – We've talked before about Marcus Mariota. I think that's a possibility as a backup, as an option, as a plan B. Similar playing style makes it easier to have one offense instead of two. That's one of the things to remember when you talk about mixing and matching quarterbacks. The closer the quarterbacks are in style, the easier it is to just operate off of one playbook. Right. You don't have the playbook for this guy, and then we need a different playbook for that guy because this guy does things that guy can't do. The more that you line up the skill sets of your quarterbacks, the better off you are when you have to put it back up in. So I agree with you. Two is the guy. Two and on. We're on board with Tua. We're on board with Mike McDaniel. We like Mike McDaniel so much that we will allow those good feelings to trickle down to Tua and give him a full and fair chance this year. Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield will be the starter. Will he be the finisher? They're not going to – same reasons. They're not going to find somebody better right now. But will they find somebody – who becomes the replacement if he's injured or if he stinks. Yeah, I, that, that's, I'll be interested to see what they do at the backup quarterback situation as well. You know, I mean, you know, you brought up the name Case Keenum again. I would think that he'd be just the kind of guy you'd want to come back into town there. He's kind of a perfect fit, knows the offense. He's similar to Baker Mayfield like you talked about. You don't have to change the offense. But, hey, Baker's the guy. He is. I mean, we just know he's got to play better. He's the first pick of the draft for this football team. He's not expensive right now. Yes, he didn't play great last year. We know that, but he was playing injured to, to add on top of that. You know, they, you know, of course have, you know, some issues there. There's injuries at wide receiver. You know, they were young. There's nobody that was just glaring to where you go, oh, wait, you know, they should be able to throw the ball all over the field at will. No. And I think when you couple that with what I've told you before, which I think Stefanski and that offense needs to grow in the passing game a little bit, you know, that's where I give Baker Mayfield a little bit of a leeway. But, hey, this is a, a little bit, you know, maybe even more dire than Tua, a put-up or shut-up year for Baker Mayfield for, for sure if he wants to stay in Cleveland and be that guy there. Oh, this is it. Last year's yeah. contract. And, and look – the Baker Mayfield situation is kind of like the Kyler Murray situation where it's easy to say yes or no, we want to keep him. The harder thing is finding a middle ground contractually. Baker Mayfield is going to want more than what the Browns would pay him. It's one of the reasons why he doesn't have a deal yet. I'm sure they've had at least some conversation right. at some point to come to the conclusion. Let's not even sit down at the bargaining table here because it's going to piss everybody off because Baker's going to want so much more than we're going to pay him. There's no reason to have that conversation. Kyler Murray's in that same boat. They're close friends, by the way. I remember interviewing Kyler Murray at the Super Bowl before the year he was drafted, 2019. He got like five calls from Baker Mayfield 
during the 10 minutes we were talking. So they may be aligned in their belief that franchise quarterbacks are worth a lot. Kyler clearly is. For Baker, it's still to be determined. And I could see them getting a number two who plays if he gets injured, plays if they get to a point in November, December, where they just know he's not the guy. That's the other thing to remember here, Chris. Since he's in his last year of his contract, of his, of his five-year rookie deal with the option on the back end, if they decide around Halloween or Thanksgiving that we're just not going to sign this guy, we've seen enough, it's over, it's done, they may want to turn to somebody else and see what that person can do because that guy could play his way into the job for 2023. Yeah, maybe. I mean, certainly a possibility. Yeah, but I, I do think they're going to give it their all to really make a determination on Baker Mayfield and see where it goes there. But, again, this is a team that is really good. I mean, we were, were all disappointed in the Browns and the way they performed last year. It was not up to the potential of that roster, that's for sure. So that's where you look at it and go, they got to have at least a competent backup. you got a quarterback who's, yeah, banged up, and he's a little reckless at times, throwing interceptions, going to tackle people, like you said. And he's not very big. He's not a big human being. So you got to have somebody to protect your football team in case he goes down again that you guys aren't just, you know, totally out of the playoff Super Bowl picture with a backup quarterback. Tennessee Titans have Ryan Tannehill. It's a huge cap obligation, a huge guaranteed salary. I think if they do anything at quarterback, it's going to be draft a guy they can develop. They're not right. going to go bring some veteran no in, way. right? Right. Tannehill, now, now that the Rodgers thing didn't land on their doorstep, it's not like there's anywhere else they can go. It's Tannehill, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, the rest of the crowd there. They paid Harold Landry earlier this week. They're trying to, to run it back with who they have. Maybe they draft a guy and develop a guy, but that would be the extent of it in my view. Agreed, 100%. First off, I, I, I know Ryan Tannehill played like crap in that divisional playoff game. We get that. But, damn, you just don't throw the guy you know, down the river because of that. You don't. I mean, not after three years of going to the playoffs, AFC championship game, home loss to the Ravens. Okay, yes, and they lose to the Bengals at home. I get that. It's still damn good. It really is. And, again, it's not like he's had the most unbelievable firepower around him either. Let's, re let's remember that. So, you know, again, I look at Ryan Tannehill, who's, I feel like, been a little bit unfairly criticized here. This is a little bit of a media fixation of, like, wait, this guy played a bad game in the last game we saw him. They should replace him. I don't think their Tennessee was looking to replace him at all. Rodgers, right, like you said it. I think you phrased it right. If he fell in their lap, okay, it's Aaron Rodgers. Other than that, you're not tossing over Ryan Tannehill overboard for a, a bag of potatoes. And I'm with you. If they do anything, I see a mid-round pick with a guy they think maybe has some potential to be something down the road. If I didn't know better, I would say that you are politicking to become the president of Tannenon. I don't know. <laughs> just saying. Nope. I just LA, no, uh, LA no. Raiders. That was a long time ago. Las Vegas Raiders. That's more recent, and that is more accurate by far. Derek Carr under contract for one more year. There's been talk about a contract extension, forty million a year. Then I see some noise about the Browns maybe making a play for Derek Carr. The Colts making a play for Derek Carr. What do the Raiders do with Derek Carr now that Josh McDaniels is the head coach? I, I mean, you, you you know, again, I feel. You know, Derek Carr is a top 10-ish quarterback in football. He's played really damn good, you know, ball the last two years. Last year, I mean, again, that wasn't a star-studded team. All the adversity, everything he had to do, shows the toughness to lead, make big throws in big situations, you know, drives his team down against Cincinnati inside the 10 to have a chance to, 
you know, put that game into overtime or win the game. I'm, I'm, I'm wrong there. So, I mean, this, this, is, this is one where Derek Carr's your guy unless you just get some crazy offer that just blows you out of the water. And then you go, okay, well, hey, we're the Raiders and we're totally flipping over the way we're playing our team anyways. It makes sense. But, uh, man, I, I think Eric, Derek Carr is a little disrespected sometimes with some of this talk. And I do look at him as a top 10-ish type quarterback. If they would move on from Derek Carr, does that mean that the Raiders become the favorites for Jimmy Garoppolo? I, I, is that what that I, means? Right. Wouldn't it mean that? That's, I think that would be the next piece of the puzzle that at least where my, my brain goes. You know, I'm, I'm, that's, that's what I think, yes. But uh, I don't know, and I, I don't know where. Maybe, Mc, maybe McDaniel's view of Garoppolo's tra- changed. I, I don't know what the view is there, but I, that certainly makes sense. But, man, you don't give Derek Carr away. That's for sure. I mean, he's proven that he can take coaching, be tough, makes a lot of good decisions, and, yeah, he's not a superstar going to make plays off schedule all the time, but he makes enough to help their team, and he's really damn good. By the way, it really would be nice if Josh McDaniels would drop the S from his last name or Mike McDaniel would add an S to his because (laughs) for those of us who aspire to get everyone's name right, Every time we go to say one of the two names now, there's that nanosecond of, is this the one with the S or without the S? The Giants don't have the QB that they wanted in Daniel Jones, but they seem intent on giving him another shot. I I don't know what they're going to do with his fifth-year option. It's hard to reconcile all the great stuff they said about him as Joe Shane showed up as the GM when Brian Dayball was hired as the coach. They lead you to believe he's the guy. But, you know, we're not going to commit the, the, the guaranteed fifth-year salary to him. And they're going to take the risk then that he's great. And they're going to have to sign him as he approaches free agency or use the franchise tag. But what do they do? There's a, a report that they're interested in Mitchell Trubisky to compete with Daniel Jones. That would make sense because of the Dayball connection. Is, that, is it that simple? They bring in Trubisky, and he's the plan B who can become plan A if Jones doesn't get it done? I, I would be all for that. As a Giants fan, I would be for that. And even as a guy that supports Daniel Jones, I would be for that. I would. You know, it, it, it makes too much sense. First off, let's go back to just Daniel Jones and the, the, the base thoughts here. You know, And I, I talked about this with some New York media people last week at the Combine. You know, truly. How do you really know what Daniel Jones is? You know, this is the first thing. I mean, again, and I know John Mara said this, but how do you really know when you've been behind? And, and I just want to make sure I phrase this correctly. Not one of the worst, not one of the five worst, not one of the bottom third of the league worst, the absolute worst offensive line in football. Like, not even freaking close, the absolute worst. Like, not even close. So that's where it's hard, and I understand he has everything else, and I think he's got a skill set that I look at and they look at and still go, wait, I think that's starting NFL quarterback skill set, let alone the intangibles and everything off the field that go along with it. I'm one for Trubisky. Yes, one, Daniel Jones. Hey, they like to run the quarterback. I think Dayball will do that. So, hey, you got to protect yourselves that way. The Giants were trying to build something. Let's protect the team in case Daniel Jones gets hurt like we saw last year. It just doesn't totally deteriorate with with less than backups. And I get a lot of this question from New York media. Well, if they bring Trubisky in, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Daniel Jones. There already is. It's do or die. You know, I look at it that way, Mike. And no matter who the backup is, if Daniel Daniel Jones plays a poor first three games of the year, no matter who the backup is, people are going to go, well, maybe we should put him in. It doesn't matter if it's Trubisky or not. So I, I'm all for it, Mike. What are your thoughts there? 
I, I agree with you. And this whole idea that, well, you know, Baker Mayfield, well, you know, he'll, he'll get upset if they bring in a really good backup or two. Oh, he'll, he'll crumble if they have a really good backup. Look, if you can't take the pressure of having in-house competition, how are you ever going to even get close yes, to a Super right. Bowl? Exactly. How are you ever going to reach right. your potential right. if you don't embrace any and all competition? Because it is the ultimate meritocracy. If you play well, you keep playing, you win games, you achieve. And if you can't deal with somebody behind you if you have to go get your kid to fill his shoes with shaving cream because you can't take the heat (laughs) (laughs) then you got a problem (laughs) Um, not that not that you did that at behest of phil you did that on your own i did do that on my own (laughs) cleats of jeff hosteller with shaving cream way back when (laughs) all right uh the eagles jalen hurts we, we've talked about Deshaun Watson. That's it. And the noise was there last year, and the noise is still there. Yeah. Look, I had Howie Roseman on last week. Um, th- 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 look, it's, it's like the same thing that we, we said about if a quarterback's really available in trade. If he's not, you laugh at the question. If he is, you say, well, we have no intention to trade him. And I got enough of a vibe with Howie that, you know, this isn't Ron Jaworski in his prime. Yeah. This isn't. Tom Brady, this this is this is a guy that you know he's he's done well, but you're not going to engrave his name onto the plate that that says this guy's our quarterback for the next 15 years. Yeah, right. There's still questions. I, there's an, there's certainly enough good to go. Hey, wait, we can go into next year, and he can be our starter, and we feel like we can win, and he can improve on some things that we know need to get better. Definitely okay, but. Yeah, I got I got no problem with their thought process and what they're doing with Jalen Hurts. But yeah, at the same time, we we both know and we've heard enough to, to know that I think if Deshaun Watson becomes you know available here sometime soon and they can get him for the right price, that yes, I think Philadelphia is on that short list of teams that's going to be involved there. You know, it's Deshaun Watson. He's a top five talent in the game when he's like healthy and hitting on all cylinders. There's no doubt about it. Jalen Hurts. There's still questions about his game. We know that too. There's a, everything is good except just a little more. We need more surgicality in the drop back pass game. And, you know, that reared its ugly head. We saw that in the wild card game against the Bucks. A lot of errant throws, a lot of missed throws. When we saw they couldn't run the ball, we all. And that's where there's more to be desired. But there's still a lot to like, and I understand what they're doing there in Philadelphia. I'm not sure surgicality is a word. Uh, no, it's there's probably a chance, not. <laughs> there's a chance. There is a chance. That we, we do have another Chris Sims accidental scholar. The I hope initial so. results from it sounds Google good. may support you. <laughs> Surgicality. Uh, the, the Vikings, we already solved the Vikings, but let's just go ahead and put a, a pin in it. And let me apply a megaphone to it. Trade Kirk Cousins to the Colts. <laughs> sign Tom Brady slash trade for Tom Brady or trade for Deshaun Watson. There's a show. That's a show. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what you want. There's GM. GM Mike Florio. Uh, Kirk Cousins is still Hire Jim good. Harbaugh. He's one of the top – he's in the top half of football as far as quarterbacks are concerned. You know, you said it right. He doesn't make any off-schedule plays or do anything like that. It has to be within the realm of the offense. But if you give him an offense, he can be surgical. I will say that. And I think with Kevin O'Connell and the fact that, you know, he's coming from McVay and McVay's going to have nothing but good to say about Kirk Cousins and we know Shanahan loved Kirk Cousins, I think he's going to want to make sure, hey, I'm an offensive head coach who hasn't called plays. You know, and Kirk Cousins, he's going to understand my offense. I think he's going to want things to look good, and I expect Kirk Cousins to be the guy there this year. And, by the way, I joke about the Vikings should have hired Jim Harbaugh. I, I, so far, I like what I've heard from Kevin O'Connell, but uh, as always, it, 
it uh, it will be proven when zero and zero becomes zero and one, zero and two, two and oh, who knows? Who knows? But we'll 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 develop our impressions based on what happens on the field. Let's take a break. When we return, an update on the Brian Flores lawsuit and a move the Dolphins is trying to make in order to keep some things potentially brushed under the rug as the case goes forward. We'll discuss that next on PFT Live. Brian Flores issued a statement yesterday regarding his lawsuit against the NFL, the Dolphins, the Giants, and the Broncos so far for a variety of claims led by systemic race discrimination. What's happened is the Dolphins sent a letter to the commissioner attempting to activate the arbitration provision in the Flores contract. Every NFL head coach signs a contract that includes a clause that says if there's ever any dispute, it's resolved by the commissioner or his representative. And if you want to be a coach in the NFL... You have to sign that contract. It's take it or leave it. And how many guys are going to say, well, I really would like to be a coach of an NFL team, but I don't know about this arbitration. You (laughs) sign it and you move on. And it's it's odd to me, and maybe there's some trigger I'm not aware of where the Dolphins have to send this letter to the commissioner because obviously there's a proceeding in court where there's going to be a proper – process there for the Dolphins to file a motion to compel arbitration. That's usually how it goes. So it's a little odd that the Dolphins sent a letter to the commissioner seeking arbitration of this dispute. And the the other side of this to remember, it's a completely private and secret process. We won't have the benefit of monitoring it, of having transparency. And it's rigged. It's rigged. Of course heard it that is. that word a lot in recent years. Rigged. This is rigged. Yes. The commissioner is bought and paid for by the teams. How many times do you really think the commissioner bangs a gavel and rules against the people who hire him, pay him, and decide whether or not to retain him? It is an inherent conflict of interest. I can't believe it's allowed. That's a different issue altogether. But in a situation like this, I've been saying this for weeks, if the NFL is serious about rooting out this problem, It's shameful to try to hide the process and take everything away from the light of day and have it resolved by a rigged process over which the commissioner or his representative presides. Well, that's what they're going to do. I mean, it's just it's it's I I mean, again, I want to hear your thoughts on how light what are the chances you think is likely that it won't go to arbitration. I mean, you just said it's odd that the Dolphins sent in this request. You know who told them to send in the request? Roger Goodell in the NFL. That's who told them to do it. I mean, this is part of a bigger play like you're talking about. Of course they don't want this to go to court. And then have to talk about Stephen Ross publicly offering a coach 100000 to lose football games? I mean, they don't want any of that. So, yes, it is rigged 100%. I mean, really, like... You know, again, you have way more knowledge and a better feel for this. Like, what are the chances you think that this doesn't go to arbitration? Is there any chance at all? Well, look, and this was one of the things that I wrestled with all the time when I was practicing law because the trend was developing 15, 20 years ago where more and more businesses were trying to direct employment disputes to a private arbitration process where you don't have a jury, where you don't have transparency where these claims never come to light because it's all handled in a conference room in a law office and it's resolved by a lawyer, one person, not by a group of people who hear these things and hold a major corporation accountable. And the trend has been moving in that direction. And the court system generally loves it because it takes cases off of the court system's docket. Judges don't get paid by the hour. They don't get paid by the case. They get a salary. They get paid by the year, as Michael Scott would say. 
So they, they love it when parties agree to an alternate process that removes cases from what otherwise is a clogged civil justice system. And judges typically handle civil and criminal. You got a criminal docket and a civil docket. You're busy. You're working all the time. It's a thankless job. Yeah, you, it's, there's a status involved, but you bust your ass if you do the job right. So they like it when the parties have agreed to these other mechanisms, and they tend to enforce the Federal Arbitration Act in a way that forces these things to arbitration. And all the arguments have been made in the past, and it is an inherently conflicted situation for the commissioner or his representative, but it, that, that's the way it goes. So it's going to be difficult for Brian Flores. He's got a better argument from a PR perspective than a legal that's perspective. Right. And that's, that's what, what I, I want people to understand, right. what the right. NFL is trying to do here. The NFL is trying to hide what happened. The NFL is trying to conceal what happened. The NFL is trying to have its own rigged system determine the outcome of the case, not an independent party. The NFL doesn't want independent parties poking around its business. The NFL doesn't want independent judges deciding whether or not the NFL did something wrong. The NFL is obsessed with controlling its own backyard, with not airing out its dirty laundry, and it's not going to give up that power lightly. It dovetails with the Calvin Ridley stuff and the gambling situation. They don't want to have a, an agency that has oversight over the NFL. Of course not. They want to handle all their problems right. internally right. because they don't want – they want to be able to say – well, we're not going to release these documents about the Washington exactly. investigation. We're not going to investigate the Cowboys voyeurism scandal, even though the commissioner just said a week before the Cowboys voyeurism scandal hit and it became obvious the league hadn't investigated, well, a team can't investigate itself. No, unless a team does and we decide not to go back and do anything <laughs> about it. They, 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 it's look, laughable. They want they, they, and they've achieved it. it it works. It does. It, it works. Of course it is. They've achieved a, a world in which they do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want. And if anyone says otherwise, they get upset and they ultimately circle the wagons. And very rarely are they held to account by a third party. And uh, no matter how hard any of us say it shouldn't be that way, it's the way it is. Kudos yeah. to them. Yeah. They figured it out. No, and they through it all. Through it all, the money keeps pouring into the coffers. That, that, that's exactly right. They're, they're killing it. They're dominating the American sports landscape. I mean, dominating. It's not even close. We know that. I mean, even what you saw on TV this year. And, yeah, there's no way. I mean, there's just no way. I would be absolutely shocked. You know, I mean, I'll kiss the ring of Don Corleone Florio or something if this goes to a judge. It's going to see arbitration you said it. The NFL controls the narrative. That's the way they want to do it. And because the NFL is such a king of the media and there's always stuff to talk about, we have a hard time staying on a subject too long. Objects. Right, right. Oh, Aaron Rodgers got traded. Objects. The hell with everything else. Oh, Russell Wilson's there. Okay, the hell with all the other news that's behind the scenes in the NFL. So that's where they got it really good. They have uh, mastered the calendar and, and relevant news always. Here's the next step here. I know we got to take a break. The Dolphins have an easier arbitration argument because Flores had the contract directly with the Miami Dolphins. Right, right. The NFL, the Giants, and the Broncos look for them to make the argument that a clause in the NFL's constitution and bylaws applies to Brian Flores, and any of these claims he's trying to make must go to arbitration too because that's what they're doing to John Gruden in his case. They're not relying on his contract. They're relying upon the NFL constitution and bylaws, which Gruden says were never even given to him when he signed the contract. So – they're going to try to get the whole case into arbitration. And Flores and his lawyers are going to have a hell of a fight to keep it in court. And, and we support it entirely. Not that we're saying we're rooting for Flores. 
We're rooting for transparency. Right. We're rooting for Things an independent to be done right. review of the situation and justice. Yeah. Not this rigged system, but true justice for both the NFL and for Brian Flores. Let's take a break. Free agency starts next week. We're going to do a draft of the best offensive talent available next on PFT Live. All right, we're going to get right to it because we talked too much in the other segments. Best offensive talent available in free agency. That's today's draft. Chris, you are on the clock, and it's ticking. Yep, all right. I'm going to go, you know, again, it's a little bit of an underwhelming group uh, this year as far as, you know, like big-time offensive free agents. It really is. I'm going to go with the offensive lineman to start it, left tackle. I'm going to go with Teron Armstead down in New Orleans. Uh, to me, again, this is a guy that's still – one of the better tackles in all of football, one of the best pass-protecting tackles in all of football. I look at him as a guy that, yeah, is certainly going to help out a football team. He's going to get paid big money. The only thing you got to worry about is, yeah, he missed half the year last year. He's got a little bit of an injury history. But Armstead, it looked to, to me, is, is one of the, the big players of uh, free agency for sure. I'm going to stay on the offensive line and go with Brandon Scherf. He's yeah. hitting the market. He wasn't tagged a third time by Washington. And as I said earlier this week, if the Bengals are serious about protecting Joe Burrow, they make a beeline for Brandon Scherf and bring him into one of those spots, left or right side of the center. They got caved in repeatedly in Super Bowl 56. Yeah, I, I hear you there, 100%. That would have been my next pick. That's who I was thinking about. Scherf, it's a lot like Armstead. It's really damn good. It's top of the NFL at the position. A little bit of an injury concern, you know. But other than that, you go, damn, if we get him and he stays healthy, he's going to be awesome. All right, um... I guess I'm going to go with Allen Robinson next. You know, there's not a lot of, like, huge, marquee, you know, explosive offensive talent guys out there. Allen Robinson, to me, again, coming off the free agent tag, uh, franchise tag, Devontae Adams has been franchised. I think he's the, you know, the, the number one guy at the receiver position. And, again, I'm going to be interested to see what the market is for a guy like Allen Robinson. You know, yeah, dealing with a young quarterback and all that last year, but still a difference maker and still a number one receiver in football in, in Allen Robinson. I'm going to be curious about the market for all receivers because yeah, right? of all those guys in Indy last week that were running four threes. Exactly. It's, it's going to hurt and, the market. And every year now we see more and more of the, the great young receivers coming in and you get them cheap, you get them very cheap, as opposed to what it, what it costs you on the open market. Uh, speaking of pass catchers, I'm going to go with Gronk. Gronk's available. He's a free agent. He hasn't retired. He's, he's a Hall of Fame tight end, and if you use him the right way and if you don't overuse him and get him injured, he still has the capability to be dominant at times and help a team win. And uh, George Kittle and, and Rob Gronkowski in San Francisco would be downright scary if that's where Tommy ends up. Oh, my gosh, no doubt about it. And Gronk is still a difference maker. You know, he's on my list too, without a doubt. I mean, it's just He's still gigantic. He still can run really, I mean, pretty damn good to scare you down the field, and he's still a great blocker. Uh, so I'm with you there. Oh, all right. The last one. We've got to take a break for the okay, last take one. The you break. get a chance cool. to think about it. Cool. All right. We've got to take a break. We'll wrap up this Thursday edition of PFT Live right after this. All right. There are our picks through the first two rounds. We're at the round three. The best offensive free agents available, leaving out the folks who have been franchise tagged. Obviously, Chris, round three, you're up. I'm going back to the offensive line. You know, there's some good offensive linemen to be had here. And I'm going to go to Ryan Jensen, the center for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or was the center for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's he's one of the best in the game at that position. 
He's a just an absolute jerk on the field, which you'll want out of the center. He's the guy that kind of puts the hot poker on the rest of the group down there from anybody you talk about. He kind of leads the room that way. And, man, in the NFL right now, there's so many good defensive tackles and disruptors there. You need a center that's special. And, I, and Ryan Jensen, I think, is going to get top-of-the-market money out there for, for his play. I'm struggling with this one. Yeah. I, you know, I've got Dwayne Brown on the yeah, list, right. OBJ, but he's coming off the torn ACL. Yep. I, I, I love Cordell Patterson. Yeah, His I, versatility yeah. and the excitement he brings to a team. And I understand you can find other running backs. You can find other receivers. But you can't find a guy who does everything he does. And you get him on a team, that, and the Falcons used him like no one else ever has to the full extent of everything he can do. You get him on the right team. And, uh, I mean, he was a star last year for a team that we all ignored. You get him on the right team, and he's a superstar. Yeah, the Falcons finally went all in on him, which other teams have, like, dabbled with the stuff he did. But they finally just said, wait, this guy's good enough to, like, make him our number one option in the offense. I'm with you. He's a guy that probably won't get paid his true value, but is going to really help out a football team. He's the jack of all trades. One of the best special teams players in the game. You know, good receiver. And legitimate, like, can play running back on a three-down basis. There's just not many people in football like that. So, I hear you. He's one of those under-the-radar awesome additions to your team if you get him. Yeah, he was the first-round pick of the Vikings in 2013. was a great kick returner in his contract year because they didn't pick up the fifth-year option on him. That's when he started to embrace all these other roles. He was a gunner on the punt team. Like, everything he could do to show his value. And he became this awesome throwback modern-day all-around football player, and, and uh, you need that. You need that on a team. Um, and uh, one of the great teams out there, one of the highly competitive teams, you know, if the, if the 49ers weren't set with Debo and their running backs, he would make a lot of sense there. You know, one of these teams Yeah, but one of those teams on like that, we're, you're right. We're going to say, wow, we should have seen that one coming. All right, we see the end of the road coming, at least for today. Won't we'll see me till Monday. On PFTPM. See, ya. see you Monday, Chris.